Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, Convention of State supporters, and welcome back to another episode of COS Live. My name is Andrew Woodruff. I will be your host for this episode. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Rita Peters, who is also the senior Vice President of Legislative Affairs. Rita, how are you? I'm doing all right. It's election day here in Virginia, Andrew, and I've got my sticker. <laughs> I went out and voted today. I did my civic duty and it feels great. Mm, that's so amazing. You did your civic duty and you're back in time to uh, partner with me on this episode. It's amazing what you can do, Rita. I'm just always blown away. Uh, so thank you for being here with us and thank you and the audience for being here with us as well. Um, we are streaming right now on Facebook, on Twitter, and of course on Rumble. Uh, drop a comment below. Let us know where you're tuning in from. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, while you're at it, send out a retweet, a share, or a rumble. We've got to get out this message about Convention of States. It's the secret weapon within the Constitution that our founders gave us. And of course, I am talking about calling a Convention of States. Well, we have a jam-packed a program for you. Rita, as you said, it is election day 2021. So we are going to have some amazing um, election analysis today with our friend Robert Kuhaley, who is part of the Trafalgar Group. And if you haven't heard of Trafalgar Group, they predicted the 2016 victory. They predicted Donald Trump's victory in 2016. We're going to talk with them. We're going to get some uh, election analysis on what's going to happen in Virginia. And of course, we have our Article 5 Trivia Giveaway with COS Vice President Mike Ruthenberg. Mike, over to you. Thank you, Andrew and Rita. It is great to be back again. And this is a pretty historic day, at least in this current administration, because in Virginia, I know you guys are going to talk about some of the cool things that could happen today in Virginia. We're all certainly I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, ready to hear what's going to happen there and what the referendum is on the current administration presidency. So it'll be very interesting, a great show to catch. I'm glad you guys are here and ready to watch. I know for so many of you, the primary interest is in Article 5 and the Convention of States project, and we've been working super hard to bring you the information about what's happening and to advance our mission of building the largest self-governing grassroots activist army on the planet. And it's happening and you're part of it and we're excited to be joining you. And of course, my job is to keep you guys on the edge of your seat. And the best way to do that, of course, is with treats. I know we just finished trick or treats, but the treat today is going to be a free shirt like this one. Think outside the swamp. And I'm wearing the shirt. I love the shirt because I get so many comments from people. It starts great conversations. And if you don't win, you can go to shopconventionofstates.com and you can get it from the COS store. And you guys are the first to know hot off the press that we have Oxford shirts that are available now in the COS store. So if you want a long sleeve button up shirt, men's shirt, women's shirt with the COS logo embroidered on it, maybe when you go to a meeting, you like to wear a nice shirt like that. We have those as of today in the store and you can grab one of those. But anyway, the question for today is, uh, it, you know, 
it's a historic time, not just because of the election in Virginia, but this week in American history, the first in a series of essays was published in defense of the proposed U.S. Constitution. And the trivia question for today is, what were these essays called? What were these essays called that were in defense of the U.S. Con Constitution and were done this week in American history? I'll be back at the end of the show to give you the answer. Hopefully, you will have one a Think Outside the Swamp t-shirt. If not, you can, of course, go to shopconventionestates.com and make it happen. We'll see you soon. Really enjoy the show with our very special guest, Robert Cahaley. Thanks, Mike. Uh, well, today joining us on the program, we have Robert Cahaley, who is the leader of the Trafalgar Group, one of the most accurate pollsters in the country right now. Uh, Mr. Cahaley has expertise in strategy and data analytics. He is a highly sought after lecturer and public speaker, ranging on a bunch of topics, including modern polling techniques, candidate training, campaign management and strategy, issue advocacy, options, uh, Real Clear Politics called the Trafalgar Group, quote, the most accurate pollster of the cycle among those firms that polled multiple Senate and governor races. And this year, Convention of States has partnered with the Trafalgar Group, group to conduct um, a series of public polling projects. Uh, Mr. Cahaley, thank you so much for joining us on this program today. It's a pleasure to have you. I want to jump right into my very first question. What is the Trafalgar Group seeing right now in Virginia? We hear that you have a new poll out. So what can you tell us about how the governor race is shaping up between Glenn Youngkin and a, uh, the former governor, Terry McAuliffe? We see it much as we have seen it for the last six months. It's, Terry McAuliffe has got a hard ceiling. Uh, you know, when he won the first time, he uh, he didn't get but 48% of the vote. There was a libertarian who got quite a bit of uh, vote. And uh, we, we think that's the ceiling for him. And we've, we've always felt like that uh, he's a known entity uh, as, as Youngkin were to get more and more known. We felt like it would close and it would tighten. And it, it, it exceeded where we thought it would go as far as just the degree to which everything has kind of fallen into place uh, for Youngkin in a way that I don't think anybody could have anticipated. I mean, the issues that are being discussed are just so in, in, in on his side and McAuliffe is tied to the Clintons and all, all of their controversy. And, you know, he, he's running an entire campaign talking about uh, the connection to Trump. And you're like, wait a minute, this, we're in an environment where people in Virginia are wholesale regretting the votes for Biden, and you're saying you're comparing him to the guy that they feel like maybe we should have voted for? It just didn't make any sense. And add to that all the cancel culture and the stuff that's been going on in Richmond, and, and then with uh, the, the the schools, and whether it's the restrictions that were based on COVID, uh, parents starting to see the kind of stuff they were being taught, uh, critical race theory, and some of the other policies in the schools. It, it has created a perfect storm that would take a Virginia that's a very difficult place for Republicans and, and put it very much in play. So we, we see right now Youngkin leading uh, 2.3 and we expect the a couple percent that are undecided are gonna break his way as well. Well, Convention of States Action has partnered with your Trafalgar group to conduct several polling campaigns and really help change the political narrative. One recent poll revealed that about 74% of Americans across all parties 
disapprove of the attorney general directing the FBI to investigate parents at school board meetings. And you know, Loudoun County in Virginia has received plenty of attention for the parents of that community taking a stand against the school board's policies. Do you think that the grassroots movement has impacted the governor's race in Virginia? Oh, there's no question. I mean, th what is what started is 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 a few parents uh, being upset about what they were seeing. Uh, you know, they started talking. Other parents started talking, and then this whole the whole movement began. But but uh, uh, tons of movements could come up, but it, it it takes grassroots all kind of coming together to keep something like that alive. It's kind of like Think of an average stadium. You can have people all through the stadium doing the wave, but in, but until there are people who can kind of weave that together, that that have you know a, a patchwork, that's what it takes to get the whole stadium doing the wave. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like uh, groups in the field, like COS, with activists that that are so strong, help take something that would just be little spurts of movements, and and, and help feed them together to kind of make a quilt of a, of a major movement. So I, I think it's the grassroots can make all the difference between a few disgruntled people and a, a message that everybody can get behind and proceed as a movement. Mm. And recently we saw uh, President Biden, as well as the former president, Barack Obama, uh, out on the campaign trail stumping for Terry McAuliffe. Um, and but Biden's polls, they've been slipping, and um, it's amid the Afghanistan crisis and rising inflation, among other issues. So do you think there's a possibility that we could see a Biden backlash in Virginia? <laughs> I wouldn't say his polls are slipping. I'd say they're in free fall. Uh, if this keeps up in a couple months, he'll be less popular than his vice president. Um, but no, I, I do think there's an impact. I, I think what's happening is if people are rejecting what is, what the establishment is, I don't know how the answer is, hey, here, here's the guy before me and here's me and all the stuff you don't like, yeah, we're, we're here to stand for the stuff that you didn't like and that you wanna get rid of right now and McAuliffe is more of us. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way to win when you're fading. I mean, when, you know, when Obama was at, a, at, his, at his chief, uh, at his highest popularity, that's the kind of thing you do. You know, you, you bring in a former president, you bring in other leaders that are more popular than the campaign. Uh, it doesn't help if, the, if these leaders only remind them of why they don't like the candidate. Makes sense to me. Now, I want to ask you about some of the state legislative races in Virginia. Of course, I have particular interest in this. The legislature flipped to a slim Democratic majority last time. So I'm wondering, is there any chance you think that we could see a change in control of the state legislature? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I know that there's been a lot of people uh, in the COS movement who, who have been working on this. And I, I believe the, the number I remember was there were 10 races that were between like 24 and 1400 votes. And the kind of wave that, that, that may have very well be, been created that we might see uh, today could certainly uh, make up that difference in, in, in those races and hand the control of delegates, uh, uh, switch sides on that and create a conservative majority in the uh, House of Delegates. I think it's 
completely possible. And probably more likely than not, one of the other things that, that's been great is that Yunkin from the very beginning has, has gotten in this campaign and realized, hey, winning governor isn't enough, that he needed to win and have some kind of a governing majority. So the degree to which he, he's put some of his own money in PACs and, and, and have been hands-on in winning some of these elections and, and, and working with the grassroots out there, I think you're really going to pay some dividends. And uh, if, if he is successful in becoming governor, it's going to give him uh, a majority that he can he can work with and uh, put him in a great position to, to focus the same energy on the Senate in two years. Mm. What about elsewhere across the country? Are there particular races that you have your eyes on uh, and any possible surprises? New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, we, we've seen uh, it was one we really weren't, weren't paying a lot of attention to. And we just started, people kept saying, hey, you need to go look at something's going on in New Jersey, something's going on in New Jersey. So we said, all right, we'll look at it. So we, we, we put out a poll this weekend, uh, started on Friday, and uh, we show a very tight race. Uh, we show it within about four, I think we had four and a half points uh, for the incumbent is leading. But I, I tell you, the fact that the incumbent is still below 50, in most of the polls, the incumbent is below 50, not just ours. But so the way ours breaks down is, you know, we had the close, we have the closest polls, which are the race closest. But if the undecideds were to, were to break in a significant way and, and the more motivated voters uh, would be the, the, the folks that are upset, uh, the, it could be a very, uh, very surprising night in New Jersey. You know, I, I think it's probably more likely the Democrats survive, but I think he's in uh, a little bit bigger fight uh, Murphy is than, than, than he expected to be. And, you know, people underestimate that people in New Jersey know that they had just the same kind of nursing home problems, the way that Murphy governed during COVID and with, with such an iron fist, there's a lot of pushback on that. And, and you're also going to see so many of these, these stories we're getting of people that are that, that themselves or their relatives or firefighters or first responders or police and, and the vaccine mandates in the city. I mean, they're, they're just very frustrated with, you know, all things of the uh, people that are in charge. And, you know, when people get that frustrated, they just want to vote out everybody who's in charge. And, you know, these guys are, you know, whether it's Blasio or, uh, or, or Murphy or, or Biden, they, they, a lot of these voters just see these guys as all one team and, and they want a different team. <laughs> well, I happen to know that we have our Convention of States volunteers working hard in New Jersey. I know that team has made thousands of get out the vote calls to low propensity voters there. So that's exciting to see. Now, Robert, your firm has done polling for Convention of States at the state level in about a dozen states. And the results have been fairly consistent with about two thirds of voters across party lines in support of an Article 5 convention that would propose term limits, fiscal restraints, and limits on federal power. Virginia showed 61% support for COS, 62% in Ohio, and as high as 76% in Minnesota. And remember, that's across party lines. Why do you think that there is that bipartisan support for convention of states? Well, I think it's a combination of a few things. People realize uh, the encroachment of the federal government in, in everything. And, and there, 
yeah, there are a few people who absolutely just believe in and trust government. Well, they find themselves at odds with the founding fathers who had a distinct distrust for government. And so those people who trust government doesn't, don't really care how big it gets and how much control it gets. But that's not really in the American DNA. Uh, the, the idea of being a little skeptical of a government that wants to take too much control in your life, wants to limit, limit your liberty and uh, get in the way of free markets, that's more, that's more woven into the fat fabric of what it means to be an American. And, and so when people see this, they see this encroachment, uh, certainly the term limits, they see the out of control spending. You know, the COS, what is so special about it is, you know, you have movements to do a balanced budget amendment, but that, but that didn't get you anything if they can just run up unlimited debt. You've got movements to do term limits, but what good are term limits if you end up having the bureaucrats running everything and, and don't solve any problems? The fact that COS seems to be much like a tripod, much more stable, it stands on three points that each, each one has to be there for the other to be successful. And so I think the fact that it has this unique approach of hitting, you know, the limitations on the federal government, the limitations on spending, and, and the limitations on uh, members uh, spending time in Washington and being uh, professional politicians, I think that's what gives it the strength, and that's what kind of taps it into some of that the core feelings that, that, that Americans all share. Well, thank you uh, so much, uh, Robert. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, thank you for all that you do and all that the Trafalgar Group does and the polling that you conduct. And uh, we can't wait to have you on again when, uh, when another election cycle is upon us. And we'll hopefully be able to get some more of your, um, your polling insights. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Great to be here. Hope you all have a good day and stay warm in Virginia. It could be a long night. Yeah, go get some coffee, Robert. I'm sure it's going to be a long night for you. <laughs> Not with the World Series on, I won't have any trouble staying away. <laughs> All right, we are going to switch over to Mike Ruthenberg to get our answer for the Article 5 trivia giveaway. Mike, back to you. Boy, I'm not even sure you're going to remember me after seeing that great show with our guest, Robert Cahaley. And... Andrew, Rita, what a great job you always do in bringing out the best from our very special guests and what a timely interview it is for today. And if you recall, back at the beginning of the show, I wanted to see how sharp you were at some of the precursors to our Constitution. And if you remember this week in American history, the first in a series of essays was published in defense of the proposed U.S. Constitution. The question was, what were these essays called? And the answer is, uh, first of all, it's if you're wondering how long ago this was, how about 234, excuse me, yeah, 234 years ago is uh, when the first essay in the Federalist Papers came out. And so the Federalist Papers is the answer to our question. Hopefully you're the one who won. And again, if you didn't win, well, you can still go to shopconventionestates.com, get a shirt, get a new, brand new Oxford that's in there for the first time. We have the long sleeve Oxford shirts in there. We're expanding our inventory all the time. But more importantly, let's talk a little bit about the Federalist Papers, which have so much wisdom that's enshrined in our Constitution and written under the pseudonym Publius. Authors who contributed to that series were James Madison, John Jay, Alexander Hamilton, and in Federalist 45, excuse me, Federalist 85, 
Hamilton made a strong case for Article 5 and the Convention of States process. And he wrote, by the fifth article of the plan, we may safely rely on the disposition of state legislators to erect barriers against the encroachment of the national authority. And boy, it's so true. And I saw a t-shirt the other day. We don't have it in the store, but it was a cool shirt. It said, this is the government the founders warned us about. And luckily they put in Article 5 because this is the solution the founders built for us that we are making happen, that we are putting to great use. So thanks for being here. Back to you, Rita and Andrew, to wind up this show. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mike. We do this show every week to reach, teach, and activate Americans with the constitutional empowerment gifted to we the people. The framers knew this day might come, and that's why they included Convention of States in Article 5 of the Constitution. We believe the best days for America are ahead, but only if we do what it takes. It won't happen by osmosis, and it certainly won't happen by just watching this broadcast. Millions of Americans have signed our petition, and thousands of volunteers are doing the work required to restore the republic. These heroes need your help. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? Like the founders, we must act. This is the moment where history is made. If you're ready to take your place among the Americans who did whatever it took to save the Republic, sign up for one of the many volunteer roles with COS. We look for team players who are eager to see America reach a new golden age of freedom and prosperity. We'll give you all the training you need and plug you into a community that engages in the only solution as big as the problem. If you'd like to learn more about being a COS activist, go to conventionofstates.com and click the Take Action tab to get started. After you've gone to the Take Action page, after you've decided to become a citizen activist for Convention of States, make sure that you start following us on all of our social media platforms. We're available on Rumble, MeWe, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're on Parler, and we're also on TikTok. This is a recent addition, so make sure to go Check us out over on our TikTok page. Wherever you're getting your social media buzz, make sure that you're following us and that you're liking and sharing COS content. You can also listen to this broadcast. You can listen to um, this COS Live on our podcast. Search Convention of States on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, or Audible. Make sure to leave us a five-star review because that helps us grow the show. If you'd like to circumvent big tech, if you'd like to get around our big tech overlords and still get pertinent COS information and updates, text START to 54555. Again, that's text START to 54555. Uh, please come check out the Battle Cry with COS co-founder and president Mark Meckler. It's on every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Come check us back out uh, next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time for another COS edition or COS uh, Facebook Live. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.